Okay. Um, good evening, everybody. It's the third year of the series on Agadita. Term Midrash 2021 at Inger's Earl Sharon. Um, and we're trying something radical, which is to reread the same Agadita over and over again and understand <laughs> it better uh, every time. Uh, so we've been reading an Agadita about the relationship of um, Rabbi, of Rabbi, um, Rabbi Yochan Rav Kahana and focusing on the figure of the snake. Um, we, moved, we moved our understanding of the figure of the snake from, uh, from week to week. And I want to do now is start from an episode of the Evan of Achnoi, the episode of the Evan of Achnoi, which I'm assuming that most people are broadly familiar with the outlines of the episode. You know, it ends, it ends badly for Abeliezer um, and that he loses, right? That's pretty much the two things you need to know about the Tanar Shalachnoi, that Abeliezer loses and it ends badly. Uh, but there's a, but the Tanar Shalachnoi, so an Achnoi is a snake. Um, so perhaps the, perhaps the added uh, insight we have gained into the nature of the snake in the other story will help us gain some insight into the nature of the snake in this story, and then maybe in a classic example of intertextuality, understanding the Tanar Shalach um, snake will help us go back and understand the story of Rav Khan and Rav Yochan. Um, added bonus, I have a really crazy idea about the Tanar Shalach which I think nobody else has ever thought of or agreed with. Um, it's, it's possible in the context of the shear that, um, that we will develop something which actually supports this idea and might leave you with one of you possibly convinced by this, um, by this idea. Okay, so let's start um, conveniently enough on page one. Uh, let me put the source sheet in the, in the chat, I apologize. Uh, I forgot about that, so give me one second. Um, or you know what, better yet, uh, oh, let's, let's do that. Uh, okay. Okay, so um, here is the source sheet in the chat, and I'm also going to share a screen. But I'll try and check back. Uh, try and check back for questions if you don't. If you, but you're also welcome to unmute yourself and ask questions. Um, okay, so there's a Mishnah in um, there's a Mishnah in Kalim. Uh, which says, which um, is the, the probably the original context we have for the Tanar Shalachnai. And you can see that the Mishnah shows up as part of a discussion of ovens and ovens that are broken into parts. Right? The Mishnah, we have a Tanur Shalachnai, case of Mitarnato, an oven that became Tahor. How do you make it? How do you make it Tahor? You break it into three parts. Okay, and then there's a question, right? The next, the next section begins, what if you broke into two parts of different sizes, break into three parts, one of them as big as the other two. You cut it into chulio, that's the word we'll see, um, along, along its width, right? Then you have, a, you have an oven that comes already cut into pieces from, um, from, from the question of if you cut, if you cut it, if it was cut into chulio, then you place sand between the um, between the pieces. Now, the Ezra says, your tower and the Chachamim are metamin, and nothing we have seen so far suggests that this case is unusual. And then we have a line, Zehu Tanuro Shel Achnoi. That was the oven of, right, of Achnoi. So the question is, what is this line doing in the Mishnah? Um, so the next line we discover that there's another kind of oven, right, Yoros Aravin, um, right, Arab, uh, Arab pots of some sort. Shuchofer Ba'aretz V'tach Petit. There's another kind of 
There's another kind of oven, however you do it, that also there is a um, that also um, can become uh, can be tamir toward depending on some characteristic of it. That one is not disputed, and that one is a tanur bendinai. Okay, so it could be that the only purpose of this is just to tell us that um, right. That, so you can identify what the Mishnah is talking about. Everyone knows what a tanur shalachnai is. Everyone knows what a tanur what the tanur bendinai is. So you give a description. And then in case you didn't understand the description, as I didn't understand the description of Bendinai, they get straight, they can look at me and say, ah, it's a Bendinai. Okay, one possible. However, um, if you look at the Mishnah at the um, Mishnah in Sota, Mishnah in Sota says, Mishirabu Batla Egla Arufa, when there were too many murderers. So the Egla Arufa, um, the Egla Arufa was uh, was suspended. The Egla Arufa is a carbon you bring when there's a body and you don't know who murdered, right, who murdered it. And so Mishra Khanan means that everyone knew who the likely murderers were and so they couldn't bring the Eglarufa anymore because it was too obvious. And now, right, when, when was this? Mishra, uh, Mishra, uh, right, when was this? It sounds like it's Mishaba um, Eliezer ben Dinoi. And then Ayutzchina, right, some people want to say it's Tchila ben Prisha Hayanikra, Chazrali Kroto ben Haratzchan. So it seems like Bendinai, right, it's, it's hard to read the Mishnah, but it sounds like Bendinai is a, not a savory character. And so now, right, and it turns out that Bendinai is not just talking to, is the Bendinai is not just a culturally relevant type of oven, but it's a culturally relevant, culturally relevant person. It's not a brand name. So the question is, does, right, is a Noi also this kind of character? You would expect, right, if there's an oven shalach Noi and an oven shalach Noi, that the oven of Achnai and Adinai, right, are parallel constructions. This guy had an oven, it seems, right? We, we, I mean, we, he's the only Dinoi we have. Okay, right, so it could be a totally coincidence, um, but it seems likely, right? Now, why would he have an oven? So I, I think the, I have always been impressed by Abraham, I always blank out his name, uh, the person who had been Avalasiavi had to, Corman, Avram Corman. Um, who said that it's obvious that um, Bardinoi is somebody engaged in anti-Roman violence. And the, right, the reason the Sanhedrin, and why, so why does you know, Mishrabu Rashanen, why is the Sanhedrin stopping the Rashanen? So the answer is the same reason the Sanhedrin eventually gives up capital jurisdiction, because it's because the murder is political. And the Sanhedrin can't act again and it will get, get murdered itself. So Avram uh, Kormay wanted to argue that that tells you that, that the Achnoi also must have been an anti-Roman activist. And the purpose of his oven was to enable you to carry ovens around without being, uh, when you're a brigand and you're moving around and you have to, right, you're moving around across battlefields and all sorts of places like that, you need an oven that you can keep tower. But the Ben Dinai one isn't political. Yeah, so it has to have it, right? But it, presumably it's some other purpose, right? Maybe it's hidden. Okay. Right, that's it, uh, right, that is, that is Avram Corman's thesis, and I've always found it um, reasonably plausible. And right, the only thing is, we don't know, we don't have a character named Achnoi uh, elsewhere. We have only one character um, like, um, who's, who seems proper, and that character is, is um, at the wrong time period because he's in Tanakh. Right, and that period is we have a character named Achan. Achan is also not a good guy. Um, and, um, but it's really hard to imagine that this is, an, that this is the oven which has survived uh, from Yericho. Um, we took an oven too, not just whatever it is that's mentioned in the, uh, in the story, that seems unlikely. Um, but um, we, do have a, we do have an attempt at etymology of Achan. And, have, and the etymo then the etymology of Achan might tell us something about this. So, have, right? so the Gemara Sanhedrin says, um, 
uh, right? So there's, there's, there seems to be psukim that suggests that he is named both um, both Achan and Zimri. Okay, now you know it's a little hard to connect Achan and Zimri. He did sign the cause of play. Okay, you know that's not. Uh, this is one of those things that you need. You know that you need when it, when you're trying to talk about one parsha, but you're your only word is on the other parsha. <laughs> Right, so right, so this is the this is the find your get your word about Achad into Parshas Pinchas. Um, uh, it can't actually be Zimri because Zimri is dead. Yes, no, no, I understand. Just, I understand it, right? The Chan Amar Zimri Shmo, Vlamanikra Shmo Achan Sheikain Avonosein Shal Yisrael. Right, so you mentioned that that's a very helpful statement because now we know exactly what Achan means, right? Achan is somebody who is Meakain. That's very helpful, right? So we could try and look up the verb snake, but the verb snake and, you know, to snake as a verb in English has to do with plumbing and is unlikely to be related to what we do, right? We could call the Nudrasha, right? And he flushed all of it. But that seems unlikely to be, uh, that seems unlikely to be correct. Uh, Rashi says, Ikein equals Gilgil Alehem Kudot Avonotea, right? So he, he rolled it upon them. So I gotta say that one is also not the most convincing in the world, right? Like there's, you know, if you if you if you don't have a notion of dimensions, so you know, so rolling onto can be sort of the same as uh, as as wrapping around, but it's not really it's not really the same thing physically, um, and it's not clear what is I don't even clear what what Gil, what and Pekudo Tevanotayim, right? So Gilgalayim is to is to I think is to have roll upon you. Um, Maybe it means that he wrapped it around them. I guess it could be that Achan wrapped the wrapped their sins around them. Uh, that seems to be what the Adrama says. The Adrama says she came about essentially Israel, and he obviously the Adrama had the same issue we did because after he says she came, he feels compelled to put another verb in, which is shehikif of an Hosein ka'achnazu. Right, so dehekif is to sort of build a wall around or something like that. To surround. To surround. So Achan somehow caused the sins of our ancestors to be wrapped around us. So that sins of our ancestors presumably means relates to the Egil, and that the right and that, and that somehow right out the death of Achan is a uh, is a is a um, is you know the first part of the sin of the Egil being brought out again. I guess. Otherwise, why is the one of San Yisrael? Right, he sinned. They took a cherem. Right, hard. I mean, the, yeah. Yeah. Also with rolling and I'll just go Okay, interesting. Okay. Right now we got ready to good. Snake, I could have figured out on my own, and it's a coiled snake. Okay, but the coiled snake can help us so much better. So, why does the coiled snake help us? Okay, um, so let's try a different thing. Joseph Idios. Joseph Idios has a list of um, of Machlokot, Rebeliezer, and the Tachamim. So, that seems more promising. Um, and they're all Machlokot in Batuma and Tara, and that, that might be helpful later because we understand that 
in the end, right, the end, the rabbanon are going to be metame all the taros of Rebbe Yezer. So we discover that it's not like this oven was had become a best-selling oven. That's what they meant. It means there were other positions Rebbe Yezer had. And then we say ve'nikra tara shel achnoi she'elav ravu machlokot b'Yisrael. So there are two possibilities here. One possibility is that this is not an etymology. It was called the Tanur Shalachnoi, and everyone knows that Tanur Shalachnoi is the oven which, right, which caused Rav Machlokit Yisrael. So it's just a right, it's just a reference and not an etymology. And the other possibility is that somehow the word Achan can relate to Rav Machlokit Yisrael. Um, at the very least, I think that the term Rav Machlokit Yisrael is a useful clue to the content of the story. So Rav Machlokit Yisrael, I think the um, the primary source that um, is uh, it's from a Tosefta, but we can read it from the um, from the Gemara and Sanhedrin. The Gemara and Sanhedrin begins with, um, I guess, I think it's probably the best. Uh, I don't know whether you call, you know calling it a fantasy sounds pejorative. Uh, an ideal, an ideal image of what Jewish what Jewish polity and halacha used to look like. Mitzchila lohu marbin machlokis pisra. Originally, there weren't lots of machlokot. In the Tosefta, it actually says mitzchila lohaya machlokis pisra. There were no machlokot, right? This that whole line is a problem for those of us who, right, who um, valorize machlokot as essential to, uh, right, essential Judaism, right? You know, shemayim, so and all those things. But originally, there was no machlokot. Sadly, yes, the Rambam quotes this exactly. And so the Rambam, the Rambam makes it right, a fascinating shift. We'll uh, see the Rambam takes out the line that interrupts the fantasy in the Gemara. The Gemara gives you this, Gemara gives you this beautiful, um, this beautiful, right? eventually, but everybody had a child to their best, it doesn't hurt, and sold it to the person. We have this whole, and that, um, that this only responds if they have heard something, they're only interpreting precedent. The Beit Nagadol, if they have no precedent, they actually sit down and they vote, and their vote, of course, is binding. And everybody goes home, and after we, and after that, the Gemara says, right, that um, it tells you how you got to this, how you got to this which is of course also a political, right? Call me Chacham Everybody who is both brilliant and humble, um, right, uh, would be a Dayan in their ear, and then eventually, after they had shown their wisdom and humility, uh, uh, they would be promoted and promoted and promoted. And so there's a right. So the Beit Nagadol is everyone. Everyone goes to every level. Everyone, right? The the hierarchy is sustained. Everything is beautiful. And it should work forever. But somewhere Machlokas happens. Somewhere Machlokas happens. So in the middle of this Breitah, there is an interruption which says as follows. Right, somewhere in the middle of this beautiful image, something went wrong. The students of Hillel and Shammai were not Mishamesh Kol Sarkhan. And right, Machlokas happens. And and the Torah becomes two Torahs, right? So Machlokas happens and becomes an extreme. And that's where we are, presumably. Okay, why does it happen? Everyone tries to figure out like, what, you know, why are Shaman Hill bad pedagogues that they don't, they don't emphasize Shemesh enough? Is there a rebellion going on and they don't have time to be Misham? They don't have time to be Mishamesh. Um, right? Is there, is there an, you know, not, not at all clear. But something goes wrong around the time of Hill and Shaman. Right? And what goes wrong is that we generate from, instead of having a single Yeshiva with people who disagree, we have several yeshivas, Beit Hill and Beit Shammai. Yes, sir. If you're 
system is based entirely on precedent and you mm -hmm. refuse to write anything down. Don't you just at some point reach an amount of stuff you have to memorize where it's not possible anymore? Um, like maybe it was inevitable. Well, you know, we could, we talked, you know, in Shear about common law and how, you know, actually no. Common law keeps written records. Didn't necessarily. Most people didn't know about them. And you know, what happens is the things that are important get remembered and other things drop out and it doesn't actually stay perfectly stable. But there's a natural, right? There's a natural movement where the things that the things that find favor, like any, like you know, like any intellectual system, things that are popular that people right, are remembered, and the things that aren't popular are not remembered. Alternatively, you have a few people with with you know with uh, with perfect memories, and you just spend and they just spend their time reciting the right all, all the, reciting the cases all day, and then you know you have somebody else who has a who has a perfect filing system who spends all day listening to the people who are who are memorizing it all day, and eventually in that way you have the equivalent. Of a database. There's also at least one opinion system. They wrote their own notes. They wrote their own notes, but that of the next person, right? How do the judges in the lower cities know? How, if, if you've got a higher court and its precedent is binding on dozens of other courts, how do all the other courts hear about everything that's decided? And how do they hear about it accurately? So it could be that part of their job is to create a, you know, a pedagogic, um, right? It's to create a pedagogic, uh, you know, like there are, there are judges, they still judges, um, not called handbooks or casebooks either. There's a chat books on there. There's a there's a word for things that are written for judges, just for judges. Those are the things that the Rishonim and Sfar complain that the the Anayir are poskening from instead of actually knowing anything. Uh, right? And many systems have many systems have these little these little cheat books for for the Now, what this system doesn't say, right? That, you know, the other system says, what if the lower court judges make a mistake? It has no appeal process. Right. If the judge in the lower court tell you something and and you think it's wrong, right? In this in this vision, nobody that never happens. We know what the lower court judges tell you. Okay, right. That's why I, I don't think this is a um, this is intent, attempted intended as a historical uh, as a historical description. Um, and we don't know what goes wrong with Shaman Hill except what goes, right because why should Shaman Hill change anything? Right. So there are students now. Let's we still have a vote. Right, so if we have a right, why should the change anything? Let's have a vote, we'll decide. So the answer must be that the students of Shaman Hill didn't accept the outcome of the vote. So we have Gemara's about this, that the students of Shaman Hill about when, you know, when there are public votes, the students of Shaman Hill disagree because the students of Hill claim that everyone among them gets a vote and everyone gets an equal vote. And the students of Shammai say that only the smarter people get votes or the smarter people's votes count more. And then they vote about whether Everybody gets a vote, and everybody's vote counts equally, or the smarter people's vote, only the smarter people vote, or their votes count more. And entirely coincidentally, the smarter people are the right vote that the votes of the smarter people count, and they sort of count more than everyone else votes. No, everyone else gets a vote to count equally. And, right? and so you're stuck in an infinite loop, and, right? and, and, this, and you can't do it. And I think that, that's, that's why you need a buckle to solve the dispute between Bechan and Bechel, because there is no other solution. Because the system itself broke down, and that Lahore is what is going on in this right there, that um, the student, right, students of Shaman Hill do not accept the outcome of the vote of the Sanhedrin, because they know that all that matters is which side has more seats, and there's no deliberation happening anymore. Right, right, the, the, right. The, in that sense, once there are factions, uh, then the Sanhedrin right votes then right then on any issue which is factional, votes on the Sanhedrin are politics and not and not deliberation. Okay. So that's an that's what Rabu Machloket Israel means, and that's an interesting thing because so now we have a we have a Tosefta which tells us that Tanar Shalachnoi is an episode 
uh, about which Ravu Machloket Israel. So um, now Rebelezer is in the aftermath of Beit Shaman Beit Hillel, right? Rebelezer, some people still think is a Shamuti. So it's not, right? So what you, so one way of understanding the story doesn't help us understand why it's a snake. But one way of understanding the story is that the story is about the threat, uh, a threat of yet another uh, division of authority. And you can see that Rebelezer tries to essentially reverse one, one version of what Beit did. Then, well, last time, you guys had the bakal. This time, I have the bakal. Um, and that's why Tosva says essentially that you go, you're allowed to cheat because a bakal that supports the majority wins, and a bakal is against the majority doesn't doesn't win. But last time we asked for the bakal because we were deciding who the majority was. Well, now we decided now we had a bakal decide who the majority is. Well, now bakals can't count people. So you can see why this is really right. Why this is really um, a dangerous story. Uh, because Rebbe Leizer, if Rebbe Leizer is really a Shavuti, um, then this story, uh, that he has a point. There are many people attempting to show how that Shamuti means, right? Shamuti could also mean he was in Kherim and it could be an outcome of this story. Uh, I am not convinced by any of the specific claims, but it's not an, you know, it's not an implausible, um, uh, it's not an implausible example, right? If people try and claim that the, that, you know, that Shammai is more tradition ground than Rebeliezer. Rebeliezer is, you can try it. Okay. Um, now we should be aware, and this is, you know, this is a part of a different word that um, in Tosefta in Sota, so it tells, right, which is where the interruption in the, in the Bright and the Bavli uh, comes in, which is what, Tos, which is what um, the Raman leaves out, right? In the Raman's vision, it's only when the Sanhedrin stops that Makhlokin happens in Israel. And he's right because it, the, the system set up right that it makes no sense between the Shaman Hill should mess anything up. The Tamil Shaman Hill are an interruption from this to Sefta in, in Sota, where it's giving a list of Mishirabu X. Uh, right? And you remember like, you saw the Mishnah so they had a list right from Mishirabu Haratzhanim. That's Bendinoi. Okay, right. So now it turns out these stories are connected in another way. Um, okay, Mishirabu Zuchuche Hale, Rabu Machlokis B Israel, the Hain Hain Shofche Dami. So when, right, so when there's these people who have this unknown condition called Zechuche Halev, I have no idea what Zechuche means. There's a Gemara which tries to have three different animals, whatever. Whatever Zechuche means, is presumably it doesn't mean people of great generosity and, and open-heartedness, uh, right? So then Ravu Machlok is Israel, and this is a stage prior to Tamil Shine and Behil, right, which come, up to, which come two, two statements later, which is Ravu Machlok is Israel, but now it says Torah Kishtei Torahs. Right, so there's, right, there's an earlier stage, which is Rav Machlok is Yisrael and Hein Hein Shovchei Dami. So one is tempted to say that that's the, that's the same thing as Bardi Night. Uh, and that, right, and that, right, so now we have, we have three possible um, connections. Okay. Um, so we, we need to learn one other um, complicated Gemara. It's a Gemara. Um, I think I mentioned to some of you in Shir before. Now there's Machlokas between Rav Kahana and Rabbi Elazar. Rav Kahana says that if right, we're dealing in the context of Zakin Namre, right? Zakin Namre is the is the person eligible to be a member of the Sanhedrin who is executed for ruling against the majority of Sanhedrin, possibly someone who actually is a member of the Sanhedrin, but at least he has to be worthy of being on the Sanhedrin. Uh, so Rav Kahana says if he speaks out of tradition, and they also speak out of tradition, so the Zakin Namre is not executed. Now, what does not executed mean? I won't argue. This is not Mufros. Not executed means that he doesn't get punished. Right? To say he's not executed, but he gets lashed, that's kind of missing. 
Uh, right? It means he's not subject to this halacha lezakim mamre. He's not subject to halacha lezakim mamre. So he's not right. So presumably it means that he's okay. Okay. So if so, Ragana says he speaks out of tradition and they speak out of tradition. Then he doesn't get executed. If he speaks out of opinion, and they speak out of opinion, then he's not executed. The only time you execute a Mamre is if they have the tradition and he has an opinion which conflicts with their tradition. That's Rav Khanna's position. Teda, and he says the proof of this is that they didn't execute a Kavi Bimahalo. So the Kavi Bimahalo spoke out of tradition and right, against people who spoke out of tradition. Presumably, right? He says, I heard, I heard from, because the way he tells his son later is, I heard from the, from the majority, you heard, right, you, heard, right, you heard from the majority. So that tells you that so long as the Zakin Mamre speaks out of tradition, he is not bound by the Sanhedrin. That's Rav Khanna's position. Rabbi Lazar says, no, even if they're both speaking out of opinion, then the Zakin Mamre is still good. Okay, so the thought experiment I'd like to give you, right, is imagine that this, this issue between Rav Khanna and Rabbi Lazar comes up in the Sanhedrin. Now they vote. Guess what? Rabbi Lazar has a majority, so he says to Rav Kana, you have to listen now. Rav Kana says, really, do you have a tradition? So you understand, right? <laughs> we're, back, right? we're back again. We'll, say, we'll have a vote about whether we have to have a tradition. Right? And, so, right? and so in the end, in the end, there is no uh, there is no way out of it. In the end, the only way Rabbi Lazar can solve the situation is by executing Rav Kana as a Zakin Mamre, but Rav Kana has no reason to listen to him. And right, this was the original source for the claim that Zakin Mamre has to be a hero. Uh, because right, here's an easy case. Um, okay, but so it's not Yuri Val right? That's that's the reason why this wasn't enough to write here. But given right, take, taking this taking this as a framework, so the Gemara says, why does Rebbe Lezer hold this? Rebbe Lezer hold this position. He holds this position. Oh look, today Shlo He takes this position because he has right. So obviously it's not tradition, right? So we know we're in this loop. Lazar holds his position because he thinks there's a pragmatic outcome which would be really bad. It's necessary to sustain authority. Rav Khanna presumably says, well, I'd rather not sustain authority than sustain anti-traditional authority. Okay, and he says, right, he says, so why didn't they kill a Kavim Mahalo? So he says, because we have to allow intellectual freedom. A Kavim Mahalo was not He just said you were wrong. Right? There's no reason to execute somebody as long, when, they say, as, when they say you're wrong as long as he doesn't tell other people to follow him. And if that Kavi Mahal at the end of his life, right? Apparently tells his son not to follow him. What happened during his lifetime, right? That's a whole mess among the Rishon to figure out like what maybe sons are different. Uh, maybe right, maybe sons are allowed to follow your parentage, and that connects to Rabban Gamliel and his sons in the beginning of Brachos. Maybe not. Yes. Anytime you vote mm -hmm. and you have a majority and a minority, mm -hmm. doesn't the minority believe that the majority is wrong? Shouldn't you in every vote have people? Who have no. said publicly that they think that the, what is now the halakha is wrong? No, so you can, that can't make you. They, they can change immediately afterwards. We I think thought, that people believe themselves to have been wrong. Just yeah, because, they because we believe that majority vote, majority vote is um, right, is defining, and so either we believe that the halakha is that now because all right, whatever the right, or we think that that teaches us like we, you know, I thought it was a good opinion, but if it's a good opinion, it would convince you and didn't convince you, so. When? So it, it's never acceptable to advocate for a new vote on a decided issue. So that's because advocating for a new vote is is a criminal act. Like that that sounds disturbing. 
Yeah, I don't practice. think there's any real way out of the loops, right? I don't think there is any real way out of the loops. You can advocate for new, right? I think that the, the better truth, the better position, which I think is the outcome, is that there's never any limit on intellectual positions. You can always say it's wrong. You just can't tell people to, bust, to do otherwise. Right? You're always, you can get up and say, you know, this, you can get up and say from now to tomorrow, you can say that, you know, here is a, here is a list of the Arisa Halakhas and the Shulchan Aruch. They're all wrong, but you have to follow them. Good. That's not being a second right? But they're all right except for this one. So don't follow this one. That already puts the authority at risk. Now you're right that there will be some, some people who can't imagine that the people who say they're wrong will really follow them. And so that right, and so people will tend to be right, will tend to come down on them. And that ultimately is going to be one way of reading the story of Rebbe Yezir and Tanah Shlachnai. That what goes wrong is Rebbe Yezir never said he would disobey. But they couldn't imagine that he but would neither listen. Neither does Rabbi Yeshua, but Gamliel, same Rabbi Gamliel, right? Yeah. Doesn't appreciate that either. Yeah. There are always people who want to, right? Who, but all know. Rabbi Yeshua is doing is running a, like a whispering campaign that, like, by the way, there's an alternative. He, he didn't tell anyone to do it either. It's always hard, right? It's always, it's always you know, if, if you have power, right? You always think that you're always worried that the people who are just saying things intellectually um, really mean to encourage sedition. And sometimes you're right, often you're right. And often it's circular because the more you re react that way, the more people say you don't really deserve your power, you're insecure, right? You don't, you don't believe it yourself, you're only about the power. And so you build, and that's a really hard thing if you're in power. Not having been in power, it's hard for me to, to know if I would resist this, but I couldn't say for sure. What would be so terrible if the Halakha changed because the Sanhedrin voted again? Like, like why are you calling that if you can if you can if you can if you can live with that that's yeah I, I, I don't think anybody again I think lehalacha right lehalacha the way we explain how, why we don't kill our kavim mahal even if we paskin like like um like um Rabbi Lazar is by saying that they're right and I think that I don't think it's a concession I think it's essential that the right, the more you expand the halacha is like in memory the more you have to guarantee intellectual freedom otherwise you get totalitarianism. Right? I think that I think those positions have to balance each other. Uh, it's all right. Um, okay. Then the Gemara goes on and says that you can forgive your wife if she becomes a Sota. You can the parents can forgive a Ben Saramora.
Sorry, sorry. So the Rasa Machlok Israel feeds into deep anxiety. This anxiety is um, is is now attached to the Tanah Shlachnai, and that makes us understand what is really going on in the um, in the, the Tanah Shlachnai episode, right? That what you are seeing from the perspective of the majority is a replay of the Behil Beit Shammai split. Okay, um, and and you know, and they're willing to go to extreme measures. The interesting thing is. Which may shed light on our story of Rav Yochan and Rav Kahana. That Rav Kahana is the one who doesn't take this. Rav Kahana is the one who says that you don't become a Zakin Mamre until the other side has a tradition you're arguing against it. Anything that's based on Svara, Rav Kahana doesn't agree makes you a Zakin Mamre. So we have another story, right, in which Rav, right, in which Rav Kahana is the, is the dangerous figure. We might understand why Rav Kahana is a dangerous figure. Because Rav Kahana is a threat to be Marbem Machlokit be Israel. Right, because the because the for everybody else rejecting his position is Israel. Right, so Rav Kahana, Rav Kahana is somebody who is not willing to accept authority when it is wrong. He's not willing to be, at least not willing to be bound by authority when it's wrong. Right, if you have a tradition, so he might be willing to say, okay, if you have a tradition, I don't. Okay, then I have to give into your tradition because there's no basis for argument. Then we're not talking about who we are as people. We're just right. We're just talking about the daily transmission. But anytime, if I have a tradition, so then we're on even playing field, and I'm going to go by myself. And if we're right, and if you don't, if you don't have a tradition, then obviously I get to go off by myself. So it could be that we have now connected with that. It could be that we have snakes in those two stories, and we have Rasa Machulkis Bistral in those two in those two stories, and that those two those those all connect. Um, yes. argue that we're kind of saying is that just that like Zakin Nomar still shouldn't do it. Does. Yes, that's right. You could say that all he says is that Losasser comes in two levels, the same way as Chasishir does, like a Chasishir thing, right? That Losasser on the high level is, an ex is a capital crime, and then it's just a violation of Losasser that's just a love. I think that's the weaker reading of the Sugya. I can't prove it to you. Right? I, can't, I can't prove it to you otherwise. I mean, there's lots of places where, like, in one situation, you would get a punishment, but if you do something different, then you don't get punished. Awesome. What's his Makor? Right, <laughs> right. And so I could say it. I understand why. It's a bit, you know, lots of people are tempted. That's why I have to construct the case for it's your Um, But um, I don't think so. I don't think that. I don't think that's much of a shot at all. And it tends towards totalitarian. And it tends towards totalitarian. Well, I, you know, I have a bias. Can issue it, right? You know, the goal of issue arbor but locus be strong, right? All right. Um, so, at the end of the Tanah Shalachnai story, we get back to this idea of Shalayarba Makhlok Yisrael. This is a very peculiar end at the story of the Avon Abachnai, um, where Rebbe Liezer is, is on a ship, or Rebbe Liel is on a ship, and, um, and, the, and, right, and, the waves, and the waves are coming against him, and, um, and he says, and he stands on his on his feet, and he says, Now this is parallel to what he says to Rabbi Yeshua, but there he doesn't, he just says, he, does, he, doesn't, he just says, um, he doesn't say, he doesn't say, and I suspect it because the, the issue there is who gets to be Nasi, and not, and not, and not authority per se. Um, and here, here is, if this is the end of the story, 
right? If this is really how the story ends. So then we, right, this is a, a, a reading of the Tanah Shalach, a story that thinks that that is fundamentally the question, right? One of the questions, Rabbi Ezra may be right, Rabbi Ezra may be wrong, but that, right, but, but trying to hold the halachic authority together is more important than any specific issue. Rabbi Ezra threatens to, uh, or the threat, uh, threatens to tear, the, right, to, to divide the Torah into even more than two Torahs, or to reignite the dispute between uh, the dispute between Beishan and Behillel, and therefore they are uh, therefore, therefore they're willing to exclude him. So there's Tanah Shalachnai at the beginning. It's it's the Tanah Shiravu Machlokas Israel. and the end right. The end of the story is there's a Machlokas about it, and at the end we close it down, and there's no right and there's no Machlokas in Israel anymore. Now the only way you can stop a Machlokas is by uh, eliminating the people who are arguing. You can't stop, right? If you, if you can't persuade them, so, right, Machlokas is going to happen, all you can do is pretend they don't exist or make sure they don't exist. Right? We should be aware of that, right? That to say there's no Machlokas in Israel, but as you're sitting there screaming, I argue, I argue. We just say you don't count, right? So you're not part of Israel anymore. That's all, right? That's all, right? That's all that happens if your power fails to uh, actually to actually gain submission. Um, Why is this a worthy goal? Yeah, so that's really, right? I think that it's a, a very challenge. I think... I think that one should be willing to read Agathas in ways that challenge us. Right? There's no fun or integrity in reading them, so they can only support our, our predispositions. The story ends with Rebeliezer, uh, with Rebeliezer being um, being in Kherim. I mean, you know, he and stays in Kherim till his death, which is a common a common theme. And so, you know, Professor Livni and many others have pointed out that the world gets damaged. So there seems to be what happens to Rebeliezer is not entirely fair, but it's difficult to read the story saying that really they were just supposed to say really as they go off and do your own thing and we, we, we should have just been fine with it. Difficult to read that story, to read the story that way. Not impossible, but difficult. Um, okay, that's one reading of the story. Okay, right? And, but it doesn't tell us what the snake is unless we somehow make the, have the snake stand for Rav Samach Lokis Yisrael. I could have the snake stand for us in Machlokus Israel if I wanted to by claiming that Machlokus is a function of opinion and the snake is the snake of the Garden of Eden and right and so it's the Eitzet, right and, and this, this, the snake is what gives you independent knowledge of Eitzet, right Das Tobara. So Machlokus is only possible for people who have eaten the snake. Otherwise, you live in the world of religion, world of tradition, and everything's great. And you can't argue. If I wanted to get it, it doesn't convince me, but I should, since there are people who will want to read it that way, I should you know, be fair and say it. But my suspicion is. That the um, that the it's not actually an analogy; it's just a pointer. And when Tosefta says, it means you should know, right? This is the oven of whatever the etymology is, about which there was lots of machlokas, and it's not actually connecting the achan to the machlok. That's my bet. But I, to be fair, I have to tell you that I have to I have to raise the other possibility. Okay, what else might it mean? So going back to the Gemara Bavetsia when it quotes the Mishnah Kelim. Uh, right, so we go back to the mission. It says, "Chacho chuliot chuliot, benat and chol ben chuliot chuliot." Abliyazim etarav chacham etanim bezeu tanur shlachnoi. So, if it's not about rosa machlokas Yisrael, maybe it's about chuliot. Uh, so, I gave you a couple of a couple of places where chuliot means um, segments. Um, I feel like you can wrap your fill in, even with only even only lavan, you can wrap your fill in the way we do, right? With with uh, breaks with breaks in the wrapping in the wrapping, so it looks like it's right. It looks like a segmented chain. Um, you mean tzitzit? Yeah. You said tell. Sorry, tzitzit, right, thank you. Also, um, also links and links in, in chains, right? Chain, right? chain links, chain links are chuliot. 
Um, and snakes have segmented bodies. So, so a ton, right? So a tanur shalachnai could just mean a tanur that is built like a snake. And if you also think of it, right, that it's cut, if you, if you think that it's cut in uh, the tanur is, is, uh, is, I guess, a dome, right? And it's cut, and it's cut in pieces. You put the pieces on top of each other. You probably don't put the pieces on top of each other so that one goes on top of the other, but they go across the, they go across, right, across the, the, uh, the joints in the lower, the lower level. So you can imagine that you would think of a snake, that you can, that you can see the oven as a coiled snake. Yes, Ikrama. And I guess I'll just Yeah. Yeah, that seems that seems likely to me. But in that, right, if that's the case, then a um, right, then the snake imagery really has no meaning at all, necessarily. Right, we'd have to do something little. Right, it's called the Tanur Shalachnai because it obviously looks like a snake. Uh, right, there's no person named Achnai. Uh, right, it's just how it looks, and then we could we have we have to create the symbolism out of the snake. But the right, but there's no there's, right, there's no there's no um, it's not a snake about the oven, it's just an oven that happens to be snaky. Okay. Um, the Gemara in, right, the Gemara um, in Bavitsia says, um, actually, we haven't got that yet. So the um, Gemara asks, Mayachnoi. So the morale here says, Mayachnoi, the Ain Lomar Shashem Atanarakafli. Don't say it's just the oven of Achnoi, like the whirlpool, right, or, or the self cleaning um, oven. Um, or that that's who its owner was, the Mayanaf Gemina. Why would the Gemara bother telling us that? Why would the Mishnah bother telling us that? Even if it was the name of the owner, or it was right, it must be that it must be that the name is symbolic. That's Maral's argument, which is a you know reasonably plausible argument based on the Mishnah in um, based on the Mishnah. So the Gemara says that right, as the Maral quotes, who shehikifu oto dvarim that they surrounded it as we they surrounded it with words like a snake. Um, okay, the uh, the Anyakov, in the English translation of Anyakov, I don't know who did it, uh, says translates this I think which right um, which from Rashi is it intimates that they encircled it with their evidence as a snake winds, its, winds itself around an object. Now this is an interesting thing. Now if I were telling you the story. Of the Tanar Shalachnoi, this is what I was telling the story this way. So Rabbi Lezer said it's Tahor. And the Chachamim brought a proof. Rabbi Lezer said, no, I create no Kimta. And Chachamim quoted a proof. And Rabbi Lezer said, no, there's no Kimta. At the end of the Sugya, right, at the end of the Sugya, right, they were slowly, slowly building a net around Rabbi Lezer. That would be great, except there's one thing missing in the entire Sugya, which is any evidence whatsoever that the Chachamim bring an argument. Eliezer brings the evidence and they reject them. So the notion that, right, that the, that the, it's called the Avon Shalachnai because they encircle it with words like a snake is really, really hard. Because the Sugi doesn't, the Sugi doesn't match that at all. The Muki Yosef says, Sheikifu has a girsa, Sheikifu halachos ka'achnazu, even Shaprut has a girsa, halachos dvarem, which sounds like, you know, that, Nobody really understood what was going on. Uh, I don't know what he people out of The Tanish Rock had lots of halakhos about it. As far as I know, there's only one halakha about it. Is it Torah or is it Tameh? So I'm a little baffled at, um, at what Sheikh Kifu Halakhos uh, would mean. So the, uh, 
The Kol Yehuda, which is a parish in the Kazari, again, I don't, don't, I don't know who wrote it, says, Nimse Kasu Besifri HaKadmonim, it says in the ancient books, Shayom Itarim HaNitzchiyos, Imchugat Agulat HaNachash, Shemesim HaSmog Kiagul, Rosh Vizdanav Bikrach Echad, Nitzal HaNitzchiyos Shayen Tachlipkos, right? So he understands, as, right, as Rashi says, that this snake is an Ouroboros, and it symbolizes eternity. That's great. So the oven symbolizes eternity. And that tells us a lot about the students from Lazar and, and Rabbi Shua, which must have been about eternity. This, this comes from context of time. Yeah. A circular argument means exactly that in English. It's a circular how, argument. How old is that, is that imagery? Did we take that from Latin and could they have had The Ouroboros goes as far no, back as we the know. imagery that a conversation that goes in a circle is one that doesn't get anywhere because you're repeating. Uh, that I don't know. Um, interesting claims. Interesting claims. So it's against the rabbis, right? That they that they attacked Rabbi Eliezer with circular arguments. So that's what it means. Well, they do have the same thing happen over and over again. That would be nice. I like that. I don't think it's true, but I like it a lot. Um, Welcome to my memory. I give you. You know. You know. You know. You know. You know I would have said nice call. It's a little cute, but not compelling. That was. I was infamous for that. Uh, I don't think it's cute. I think it's good. But um, not compelling. <laughs> All right. The Nisim Gom has a much longer explanation. It says, right? Why, why did they call it Because they made a tummy as a result of this whole, um, this whole thing. Uh, and he said, right, so he's quoting it from the Gemara Brachos, which quotes it by the by, and he says, yeah, that's the right thing. And he, then he says, yeah, I understand lots of people get the sugya wrong. So I'm going to explain to you exactly what this sugya uh, is, uh, is about. Um, but um, he has a fascinating explanation where he says, Eliezer tries to bring these proofs and they're supernatural proofs, but they're not good enough supernatural proofs. That's why the Chachamim reject them. Because these are the sorts of things that can happen in nature. It's just rare that carob trees decide to fly through the air. Um, Okay, that's an interesting interpretation. Right, that's what he says. Next time, bring us, bring us better, right, better supernatural words. Okay. This is what, uh, this is how they want to compare their words to a snake. They surrounded Rebbe Yezer with absolutely compelling proofs uh, that have no, that it cannot be challenged, have no disputes. And they attacked him with, right, with, with absolutely clear words that destroyed his words. And he found no escape. Like a snake that if it surrounds you, we are presumably thinking here boa constrictor, there is no escape. Okay, so this, right, um, and he says, this reminds me of the sugya in Bavakama, in which they say to the snake, oh, snake, snake, open up and allow, and allow the, the teacher to enter next to the student. So, aside from being very grateful to Rabbi for connecting it to the sugya that I want to talk about. Um, so let's think about what's, what is, we already pointed out that this, the claim that Hekifua Ka'achna means that they that they trapped Rebeliezer with unanswerable arguments. No, really, they had no arguments. That's right, Ikra Chaser in Sefer, if that's the case. The claim that this snake is the same snake as in that story, maybe. The really interesting claim is a snake, the snake circle is a metaphor of something you can't escape from. 
Right? That's what he has to do to get this to be to get this to mean that the Chachamim gave him the Chachamim attacked uh, asked arguments that no one that, that he could not respond to. Okay, um, I gave you from front of the sheet of Kubetzis, um, this, which I'm grateful again to uh, Dr. Soto for calling to my attention. That um, says that all the supernatural things are just a dream, but there was an argument about whether dreams counted as evidence or not. Mm -hmm. uh, right? This also is not the world's most compelling, uh, most most compelling claim. Um, okay, so what I pointed out last time, um, and I'll, so I'll I'll say it again here, and then we'll um, then we'll finish we'll finish and figure out what we do next week. If you read the correct, there are. There is one. Other, there are two other stories in the in the Talmud which relate to snakes at to snakes um, that are called achanim, and there's a story which Rashi connects and uh, connects. So those are all stories in which there's a grave, and there's an Ouroboros surrounding the grave, and in each case somebody wants to get into the grave. Or Lezer Shimon wants to get into be buried next to Shimon Bar Yochai. Um, there's a, the Talmud who acted like who acted like Rabbi Loy wants to be buried in the cave of the Hasidim, and Rav Yochanan wants to get into the, the, the wants to get into see Rav Kahana, whom he has accidentally killed, and they can't get through the snake. Which means that in all those cases, the snake is not preventing something from coming out. The snake is preventing something from going in. So if we want an interpretation of Sheikifu Dvarim Ke'achta, what we have to say is what they did, what, 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 what the purpose of the story of Lachnoi is not to keep, right, is not to trap Rabbi Eliezer, it's to make him inaccessible to everybody else. What they do is they keep him from having students. Nobody can get, nobody can get past the, right, nobody can get past the Achan. And that's exactly what happens, right, in the story of Rabbi Yochan Rafkana. Rav Yochan is trying to get in the room. When he gets in, he gets to ask Rav Kana all his questions. And he comes out, and he said, and what he does when he comes out is, he's, uh, according to at least some interpretations, is he, he says that Babylon, the, Babylon, the, the Israeli tradition is gone, and now everything goes according to Rav Kana. So Rav Kana in the grave, after, Red, after, Red, after Rav Yochan gets past the snake, comes and undoes the entire, right, undoes the entire authority structure. So I want to suggest, right, that that's really what the Tanah Shalachnai is about. And the reason the story of Achnai, right, is that the way to, to get it is to, if you realize, as Rashi says, that the Achnai is an Ouroboros, and you realize that the purpose of an Ouroboros is to lock somebody away in the grave where they're inaccessible, then you understand what the, what the Thumb are doing. What the Thumb are doing is making it impossible for him to teach, which is what he yells about the entire time, right? right when I'm on his deathbed, right? I, right, I have all this Torah and no one, right? No one, right? I have all this money and no one has ever asked, no one has ever asked me to change it. Okay, so in the remaining three minutes, so I'll just, I, I want to get out my crazy idea about Tanner Shalaf now and we'll figure out if we pull it out. Uh, so what Deborah asked before, right, is so what really is the end of the story of the Tanner Shalaf now? Uh, how does it, how does it, how does it, how does it really, and what, how are we supposed to read the story in the end? So the, there are a couple of problems in the story of the Avraham. Um, one is that, um, one is that Abelazer destroys the world twice. If you turn to, if you're on the last, you're on the last page of page nine, so in this, in the, in the second to, in the second to last um, 
uh, bolded paragraph, the last line, it says, and a third of the world's harvest is, uh, is destroyed. And then we have what appears to be another text introduced by Tana, which says, and every place where the turned was uh, turned his eyes was destroyed. So which one was it? Is it a third of the world when he cries? Is it both? It could be. It could be that there actually are two, two, two different versions of the story. The second version ends with Rabbi Yezer talking about Rav Samachlokus, Rabbi Neil talking about Rav Samachlokus to Israel. Um, right, the first story just ends with Rebbe sitting there crying and the world and the world being destroyed. Okay, there are also then after this story, where Rebbe Gamliel gets up and says, "I only did this so there wouldn't be machlokus in Israel and the sea dies." There's a really peculiar there's a really peculiar thing that happens, which is Rebbe Gamliel dies. He dies either because the uh, poor person comes to the door and his wife. Uh, his wife goes to goes to talk to the poor person, and, and his, it starts because his wife his wife messes up the dates. Really, his wife messes up the dates and prevent right, which is preventing him from from being a fellow about, and therefore, uh, right. So uh, therefore, therefore, it's right. It's, 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 so she doesn't realize it's for Scottish, and he's not supposed to be a fellow about, which creates all sorts of issues about what Nafilas of really means here. Uh, right, it doesn't mean talking to them almost certainly, but why they really right? all sorts of challenges to what Nafilas of means, or alternatively. Alternatively, she, um, she, the poor person comes to the door and she goes to get stucca. I mean, well, right, that, that story seems savagely harsh. <laughs> that it's, right, it's her attempt to give stucca that leads to, leads, that leads to her brother's death. It's kind of odd, like, you know, this is like one of these, um, Professor Moshe Bernstein, I guess, taught me that this about the suspense, right, that in the, the Megillah roots, like there are false endings that I mean, everybody boos. Plony Amoni says, Ani Anochi Egal. Right, there are tomatoes coming for recovery, coming for the stand. Nobody wants to see Ruth get married to Plony Almoni, right? But the purpose of that story is the false ending, right? We understand, right? You know, and then we say, oh, good, right? Right, we're from a, um, from, you know, you're all mad at Plony Almoni from a moral perspective, but you're all happy from a story, from a narrative perspective, because that would be the wrong ending if Plony Almoni gets the girl, right? Uh, but Plony Almoni is the is the you know is the character who never gets girl right you know you know who plays Plony Almoni in the old movie it's Ralph Bellamy whoever it is right? and Spencer Trevoa is Spencer Tracy I think Spencer Tracy always gets the girl I think and, and uh, the other Ralph Bellamy doesn't I think any case um, sorry okay what's the point of having this dramatic ending where Ramalil is about to die and he gets up and he says don't worry you know, trust me God I didn't do this for myself and just my family and God doesn't kill him but Sorry, a month later he does. What kind of story is that? So it could be. It's a powerful, right? It's a powerful story about the power of Ono. That even though the ob objectively God realizes that it was that it, that Rabbi Leo was correct to excommunicate Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Leizer, but in the end Rabbi Leizer was hurt, so he dies. And so the previous scene is just to tell us. That the reason the reason Rebbe Yezer dies is only because he is hurt personally. It has nothing to do with the issue. On the issue, Rebbe Gamliel is entirely right. right. That's that's that I think is a reasonable but not terribly compelling way of reading the story. Um, but there aren't any compelling ways of reading the story in which there's a false ending 
uh, when she stays alive and the real ending is when she dies. So the radical way of reading the story is that there are two endings. One version in which Roman Leo dies and one version in which he does, in which he, in which, in which he doesn't. The version in which he doesn't believes that Roman Leo is right because Rasa Mahlokis Israel is enough. But the version in which he does die doesn't think that. He's just wrong because you weren't supposed to do this through Roman Leo. Now, why you're not supposed to do this through Roman that, of course, we leave to, uh, we leave to, we leave to you. And that looks like a Marif time. So I'll leave it at, I'll leave it at that. Thank you very much. You know, for a moment I thought you said all Shemachal photo, but